0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart.
1: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
1: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by Cubsinsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we have somewhat of a unique edition of the Cubs related podcast for you as we are recording this live as the Cubs and Pirates have just resumed play on Thursday night in the rubber match of this three-game set that began on Monday. So I think for the first time ever, Brendan, we are going to yeah. have a live reaction one way or the other to <laughs> however this game shakes out. Uh, Steve Ciszek, Steve Cshek has entered this game and is mowing the Pirates down. He's got two outs in the top of the eighth so far. Uh, but given the way this bullpen has gone, I, you know, I'm ready for anything here, Brendan, but this should be interesting. And I, we're going to do our best to limit any expletives. We, there's a reason we don't record live during the game, uh, (laughs) while also trying to maintain a family friendly podcast. That's going to be one of them. So hopefully there's no need.
3: Self-control.
1: Yeah. Hopefully there is no need for any expletives. We just move through this quickly. And, uh, that is that looks like Steve Cschek just gave up a double here so i'm already testing this it, it's fine brendan uh, we'll we'll move along so here's what we're going to do we'll react oh to this as need be but we are going to proceed as normal otherwise with this podcast uh starting with a recap of the first two games from this pirate series Obviously, with the Wrigley Field home opener on Monday, this is another one of those series that has the off day after the first game. So uh, we had a game on Monday, a game on Wednesday, and then they are finishing up the game uh, as we record this on Thursday night. You guys probably listening to this either much later on Thursday night or prior to the Angels series starting up on Friday afternoon. So let's start with the Cubs and Pirates on Monday, the Cubs winning ten to nothing in this one, and that was spurred by a six-run second inning uh, that is allowed to happen starting uh with an error on the Pirates with two outs, and everything for them unravels from there. Again, the Cubs putting up a six spot highlighted, Brendan, and we will touch on him after I finish running through this game, as he is the number one story this week. John Lester with a double to bring in the first run. He would later score on a Ben Zobra single. And unfortunately, Brendan, that is why he is the first topic of the week. John Lester leaves this game. He comes back in the top of the third, tries to get going, uh, but Joe Madden, after talking with him, let him throw to another batter and came out and pulled the plug. Lester, being Lester, looked like he was going to try to work through it, but Joe was having none of that. So Lester departs. We later learn that he has uh, a hamstring injury, and he is on the injured list. The Cubs being somewhat uh tight-lipped about the exact schedule i guess uh but really it just sounds like they're because it's april going to be as conservative as possible so it sounds like one to two starts hopefully that john will miss uh but again it is early april john is 35 years old and and they're not going to rush through this. So the final line for Lester in Monday's game, two innings pitch, three hits, no runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. He was on his way to being the number one topic anyway, Brendan, because it looked like he was dialed in for another great start. And obviously the, the injured list is not good news, but the four strikeouts, Brendan, he's been racking up the Ks this year, uh, and that's always good to see. But I will throw it to you here before I even finish breaking down the rest of the game. Just your your gut reaction to the Lester situation. Obviously not good, but when a starter leaves in the middle of an outing, you know, just going two plus innings, may, hopefully missing just one to two starts is probably the best news we could have gotten.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think Lester's looked great even in his, in his first three starts. So on that end, it sucks, but the the severity of the injury doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. And look, it's, it's April 11th as we record this today, and if it's only one or two starts, so be it. But the way the rotation has worked out, Lester is vital for this health of this rotation, no pun intended. But to have him be protected for the long term of the season, this is the right move to do. And it to be honest with you, it's kind of surprising they did this just because the way the Cubs have operated the past few years is they try not to dive into that AAA roster if, if they really don't have to. So this is the first time I think they've done something so proactive in this sense. And we see it because they called up Collins, who's really mm-hmm. not that vital in terms of their, their option ability, right? Like if you call up someone... You know, like a like a like Dwayne Underwood, for example, early on. You know, you're going to exercise his option this year, so you may not want to do that. So, in that regard, even though he is on the injured list, they are still exercise exercising caution with that with that AAA roster, Corey.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, Tim Collins called up to take Lester's place. Uh, I'm probably the millionth person to make this joke, but not to be confused with the drink a Tom Collins. Uh, <laughs> insert the laugh track there, Brendan, when you edit this in post. Um, finishing up that bottom of the second, uh, like I said, Lester and Hayward scoring on a Zobra single, Rizzo singling, Baez singling, Schwarber reaching on a fielding error It was not a good inning uh, for the Pirates defensively, specifically uh, Kevin Newman. Yeah, it was uh, cue the yackety sacks in the bottom of the second I for the Pirates. I almost felt defense bad there. for him. I almost did. Yeah. Not, not totally, but... Kind of. Yeah, they make three errors, I believe, in in this bottom of the second, and they leave six to nothing. And really, one of those where, you know, you never feel bad for the opponent the Cubs are playing. Certainly not the disgusting low-life Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, but Jameis and Tyone, like, just did not deserve that fate. He was, you know, kind of cruising along for the most part. Uh, and then the error just, yeah. you know, with two outs starts the unraveling and it did not get better from there. So the rest of the Cubs runs in this one. Uh, they get two more in the third. A Ben Zobrist, a double play ring brings in a run and a Chris Bryant double brings in another that made it eight to nothing. And then Kyle Schwarber with his third home run of the year made it 10 to nothing. And that was all that she wrote uh, for the home opener. It looked like a beautiful day at Wrigley, which is, you know, just sort of typical Chicago because the next few days uh, and the, you know, remainder of this series are played in, you know, some of the the, the worst conditions. Uh, maybe not that we've ever seen, certainly, but, you know, we're talking even tonight it was 50 at game time, uh, but with Eleven mile per hour winds that I'm sure were making it uh, nice and cool at the ballpark. Uh, but it looked like a beautiful day on Monday. At Wrigley Field certainly looked beautiful as she always does, and you know that's uh, pretty much all you can ask for a home opener. You get you get uh, the boys back in front of the hometown fans, and they deliver a ten to nothing shutout. You really can't complain about that. But yeah, just wrapping up. Uh, I you know you never want to see this stuff with Lester, but this doesn't seem super significant. Uh, I'm glad that Joe was there to rein John in a little bit because it really did look like John was just going to be like, yeah, my hamstring is messed up, but so what? It's the third inning. You know, we've got a whole game yeah, to he go was here. Pissed he got, was, he we, uh, was gonna going to keep going. So, but, oh, yeah, sure. but also, like, Len and JD, too, right away were like, no, 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 no. Like, he does not look right. He, he's laboring. He's not landing right. No, no, no. So I'm glad that Joe you know was the manager in that spot uh doing his job and saying john we're gonna we're gonna call this one here so but like i said i i I am very uh pleased with the early results from john i don't know how you wouldn't be um he looks good on the mound again getting strikeouts he looks like his command has been really good in a lot of these starts able to locate on the corners especially the low edges uh as we know when john is at his best he's able to do that and guys, we we're gonna have to talk about this at some point. The man is an offensive force, Brendan. He's he's an elite base runner at this point. He is hitting the ball like I, you know he he's putting up better numbers than some of the other guys in this lineup that are there to hit so far in the early portion of this season. So. I can't stress it enough. It's it's very unfortunate that, that obviously he ends up on the injured list after this start, and you guys know me. I am definitely worried about it, uh, you know, just because any injury to John Lester is something that worries me, but he's looked about as good as you could hope for at the beginning of 2019, on the mound, and at the plate, and it, it's so funny, Brendan, because he was, it took him so long to get that first hit, and he looked so bad doing it, but it it seems like one of those things like he it was just a matter of time he just needed the reps and john being john just figures out a way to i mean i was telling you guys, for, I,
3: even even in 2016 like or when he came over in 2015 yeah he took a while to get ahead but like joe madison he's an, he's an athlete right yeah. and his swing is good we made the joke last year and even you know prior years that his swing looks better than Hayward, which, by the way, we'll get into as well. Yes. we made that in jest. But the reality is, like, Lester does have a good hack. So, for him to do this is not that surprising. And I think even you and I last year, when he made that bet with at Cubs, like, hey, if Lester hits two homers, I'm getting that tattoo. That that was a high, high probability that you were going to get that tattoo, Corey. I swear to God. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I, I will say, though, going forward, I... I kind of rather john not sprint around the bases so swiftly especially in april because that's kind of what happened but you know what so be it he's a gamer it is what it is
1: yeah, absolutely. There were definitely times last year where he would take cuts and you would text me right away saying like, dude, you're going to have to get that tattoo. Like, this guy is, <laughs> this guy is ripping into the ball. I mean,
3: like, you said the same thing, though, too. You're like, I'm in trouble here. Like, I'm going to have to get this tattoo. Yeah,
1: like, for sure. Like, he's taking hacks, especially on some of these days at Wrigley when the wind is blowing out and stuff like that. Like, he's definitely running into one. Uh, but also... John being John, and this is part of the reason that I love him. His his post-game tweet after ending up on the injured list is, quote, "...sometimes when you have elite speed, these things can happen. Great to get the W in front of the home crowd, though. Here's to many, many, many more." We love you, John. I I don't have nearly the uh, muscular hamstrings to make this uh, worthwhile offer, but I I think he knows and everyone with the Cubs knows if they need a hamstring donation, uh, they they can have both of mine. So uh, we hope that... Both of yours will make one of his. Probably not uh, even, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But hopefully john is you know this isn't a long term thing and i'm with them on the conservative nature of this approach i think that obviously you know the team's record being where it's at through these first few series you know obviously does you want to even though we don't want them pressing all the time you know you don't necessarily want to uh just write off any semblance of urgency in the early going here but again when you have a veteran A 35 year old pitcher who I think the the real important thing here is like this has been your guy in the later portions of these seasons and especially in the playoffs like you need John for the long term like if we have to get through April a couple April starts with Tyler Chatwood or whoever Tyler who will go on Sunday in Lester's place against the uh, Los Angeles Angels excuse me I think they dropped Anaheim completely Uh, but. We can, we can live with a few of those starts if it, if it means John is right in the long term. And, you know, especially with something like this, we know that John would get back out there as soon as he could and start compensating for any pain he was feeling or any discomfort. And you don't want that. That's how you lead to bigger problems with the legs, with the arm. So get right, Johnny, and, you know, we'll be, we'll be ready to welcome you back to the rotation whenever you are ready and able. So that was Monday's game. Again, the Cubs off on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, the Cubs losing 5-2 to two in this one. It was a U Darvish start for the Cubs. He goes five and a third, five hits, four earned runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. He does surrender two home runs, the uh, damage being done against him via the home run. And Francisco Cervelli, we talked about Orlando Arcia of the Brewers on the last podcast about how if he played the Cubs every, every game, he would... Uh, You know, for some reason, the Cubs just can't get him out. Similar to uh, Ozzy Albies in Atlanta, Francisco Cervelli is one of these other guys. I think it was Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com was tweeting out, like, if you extrapolated his numbers against the Cubs... To a full season, you know he would be a thirty homer, hundred RBI guy, which is just absurd. I, I don't no. know what it is with some of these guys. Albies at least make sense, but like Orlando Arcia and Francisco Cervelli, I, I'm not Billy Hamilton too. Yeah, right. I mean, whoever's Come writing around. the, the, Who the scouting guys? reports on some of these guys, I you know I don't know. Uh, and just to update, Pedro Strop is on the mound at a rainy Wrigley Field. I mean,
3: are you kidding right now? Are they really? Playing I know this, this? weather is
1: terrible. Terrible. I, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it, it it is pouring on this mound. Sechek stroke and whoever was just pitching for the Pirates is stepping he, on. I mean, he's every dropping two the seconds. baseball
3: on the mound right now. Get him off the field. Yeah, this, this is, is ridiculous. this is
1: ridiculous. I think they're going to try this, but they're going to have to ban. ban I I, this. Am, I am furious right now as like we steamy. are discussing this. But uh, hopefully, you know, we can get some quick balls and play here and move on. Uh, but anyway, just to wrap up this game, because Wednesday's game wasn't all that fun, folks. We can just admit that. Um, <laughs> in the top of the third, Starling Marte homered off Darvish, two run shot to make it three to nothing. In the fifth, the Cubs get on the board, Jason Hayward Jesus. with his fourth home run in five games. Yeah. We will be talking about him after we finish with the recap. That is our number one topic of the week, Jason Hayward. In the top of the six, the Pirates adding two more to make it five to one a Josh Bell single, and then a Kyle Ryan. Error on a pickoff attempt allowed Cervelli to score. That made it 5-1. to one. Baez got the Cubs to within three in the bottom of the eighth with a double, but that would be all she wrote. Yu Darvish pulled after 77 pitches. Joe Madden saying that he preferred the matchup switching Josh Bell, the switch hitter around by bringing in the lefty Kyle Ryan to hopefully get a double play ball. There were runners on the corners with one out when Darvish was taken out. Uh, Brendan, as we wait for Strope to hopefully get these last two outs here, he did get Josh Bell to fly out. Um, Your thoughts on on Darvish's outing as a whole. It was a very windy day and rainy uh, at Wrigley Field. So I I don't want to make excuses for him because the Pirates were also hitting in those conditions. And they did hit a couple home runs through the teeth of a wind that was blowing, uh, I believe, in from, I want to say, left to right. But I could be making it The wind
3: was all over the place this uh, series.
1: So your thoughts on Darvish's outing as a whole. He was definitely pumping the strike zone a lot more Mm -hmm. in this game than we had seen previously, looked like he had a lot better read and feel for that fastball, uh, but obviously bit by just that, pounding the strike zone too much. So your thoughts on his outing as a whole, and then the decision from Joe to take him out at 77 pitches uh, when just, you know, playing devil's advocate against Joe's logic here, uh, Darvish had already gotten Josh Bell to ground out twice in that game. So, I I at least, and I think a lot of other people, were a little confused when your post-game logic is, well, we wanted to switch him around to get a ground ball when your starter's only at 77 pitches and has gotten two of those ground balls. But but your thoughts on Darvish as a whole? Well, I mean, the main concern,
3: the first outing was the command, right? He comes out, he walks seven guys, his velocity is trending down as that first start continued. But since that first start, we're not seeing the same thing. His velocity has been pretty stable right within his career range. He was pumping 95, 96, 97 in that last start. And the command was pretty good. Uh, You know, if you just watch where Wilson sets up, for the majority of the pitches, he was hitting them, especially that fastball command. So in that sense, it's encouraging. In terms of Joe's decision to take him out, I had no problem with it. I can see the logic of wanting to use... I mean, at this point, Darvish is one of your aces. I can see the logic of getting him through that. But if he does not get out Bell there, right, then the odds are you're in a jam and Darvish is tiring out and you're going to go to a matchup that's not favorable. And for at least Justin Wilson, that that was a... Or Justin Wilson, Wow. Kyle Freudian Ryan slip there. I know. that's Wow, that's bad. You miss him, Brendan. That's fine. <laughs> I was just slap my face for doing that. Um, but to go with Kyle Ryan there, I, I liked it. And we've talked about Kyle Ryan in that release point and how it's so much further to first base than quite literally any other lefty in the game. I was at least intrigued by it. It did not work, granted. But I had no issue with it. I think that there was a discussion after the game of Madden's logic and there was two points to this the first point was is Madden taking Darvish out to make Darvish feel good about himself mm-hmm. as a confidence booster the second point was is Madden taking Darvish out to keep that pitch count low because I believe he was under 80 pitches I think 77 pitches is what you mentioned or what I read and maybe it's a combination of both who knows but the 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 summary from his outing at least is i'm encouraged by it i thought his stuff looked good i thought his command was exponentially better than that first start and going forward i think madden will have a little bit of a longer leash and if we keep seeing darvish pound the strike zone with that stuff it's inevitable he's gonna get the whiffs he's gonna get the wins it's inevitable Corey.
1: okay brendan i am jumping in here for the first time ever on the Cubs-related podcast, Cubs win. Cubs win. Fly it Cubs up, win fly the two to nothing. They take their first series of the year, two of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates. A two to nothing final. A wonderful outing from Jose Quintana. Uh, yeah, and as you great. wrapped up on Darvish there, that is a perfect transition. Look at that timing, Brendan. We can jump right we into timed this it game like that, Corey. Yes, but uh, that was fun. I've never gotten mm. to. Uh, broadcast a cubs win live on the cubs related podcast here so that's neat uh anyway let's get to how that happened the cubs winning two to nothing and this was a pretty simple one both starters uh musgrove for the pirates and jose quintana were very very good in this game jose quintana goes seven innings four hits no runs one walk and 11 strikeouts brendan he was on from the jump in this one a great outing from jose and a wonderful thing to see Uh, Musgrove for the Pirates as well, going six and a third, four hits, two runs, none of them earned, two walks, and six strikeouts. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. Jason Hayward reaching on, he hit a pop up down the left field line. Uh, to like shallow left-ish near where the old bullpen would have been probably and in fair territory the Pirates uh, three of them converged on the ball and none of them caught it so Hayward ends up at second Daniel Descalso singles him in Daniel Descalso having a great beginning to his Cubs career and then Victor Caratini with a double to bring home Descalso those are your runs we go into a rain delay in the top of the eighth but as as you heard live on this show Steve Csechek coming in with a clean inning two strikeouts and Pedro Strope earning the first save of the year for the Cubs with one inning of clean work one strikeout for Pedro Csechek and Strope definitely Brendan were not messing around they were probably pretty annoyed yeah. that they had to wait around to pitch in this one and they were not going to uh, they were not going to mess around with that so they they made really quick work of the Pirates here uh, and the Cubs win this one 2 to nothing so I we have a series win to discuss I this is great first time (laughs) first time in like what seven months yeah, this is uh exciting. It's it's nice to be able win. to really just I think stay on a positive note because I think similar to that last game that the Cubs lose to the Brewers, you know, the game on Wednesday is is frustrating. You'd certainly like uh you know maybe a better outing or just result for Darvish. Um but, you know, look, the the, the recipe of all of this, you take 2 of 3, you we win the series and things are going to work out for you. So uh, two shutouts for the Cubs in this series. Uh, they, they pound the Pirates with runs on Monday. Altogether, I, I, I think this was a, a pretty good series, Brendan. So any, any thoughts just like on this these three games in general before we move uh, to who is currently the, uh, well, one of, I, I guess you could make an argument for Victor Caratini too, uh, but Jason Hayward, who right now is literally the best hitter on the Cubs.
3: What a world we live in. Uh- Indeed. The- yeah, but the the series was a step in the right direction. We we described the Cubs' progression as baby steps, right? And the bullpen at least for, you know, two of these three games shut down. They shut down every single Pirates batter. You had of course seizure come in, you had Strope lock lock everything down. And this is kind of what you want to see. You want to see them get off on a positive note. You have a very favorable schedule coming up at Wrigley Field. And at least for Q, coming off that bad start, that disastrous start, his previous outing, striking out 11 guys, I believe that's his second most strikeouts um, other than that one opening day start against, or the debut start against the Orioles. That's good to see. So, I mean, my, my final thoughts just from the series before we get into Hayward is good to see the pitching do well. I am encouraged by Darvish. I am saddened by Lester, but not concerned. And baby steps. We're seeing baby steps In the right direction, we're seeing Kyle Ryan, Webster get more of a chance. We're seeing Cizek kind of stabilize. I think, ultimately, this is kind of what you realistically hoped for. Of course, we want to see a sweep. But for the most part, the Cubs played solid baseball
1: these three games
2: Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
0: Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with NYRA Betts, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. NYRA Betts players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.
1: This is what we were hoping for when we we finished up that series over the weekend. Get back home and just just right the ship. Not to use pirate or ocean-related puns because the pirates were in there, but get back to Wrigley Field, and just sort of start the season anew almost. Just just take it one series at a time, win the series, play good baseball, and we'll take things from there. So this yeah. was a very good start to that, again, with uh, Tommy LaStella and the Angels coming to town. And I do want to point out before we jump right into Hayward, uh, Tommy LaStella hit three home runs in a three-game sweep uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers. So if the Cubs are able to take two of three or sweep the Angels – really great work from Tommy Lastella. Yeah, uh, Theo Epstein yeah. playing 4D chess here, sending Lastella to the Angels to have him uh, do some, you know, sleeper cell work on the Brewers when they head out there. And hopefully, you know, I, I think it's only reasonable to expect him to just lay down uh, playing the Cubs at Wrigley Field this weekend. But let's move to Jason Hayward, Brendan. And as this game finishes on Thursday night Jason Hayward will leave the game with a 351 batting average and an 1120 ops like i said with his homer on Wednesday he homers in 4 of 5 games dating back to uh, this past weekend obviously where he hit 3 in that series I, look <laughs> right Yeah, where um do we begin like I said on this, this when we wrapped up the, the, the weekend series, there is, if you go back in in the archives of this podcast, a 100% success rate. When we say something concerned about Jason Hayward's hitting, he always hits well in the game or series after. So – We definitely could pretend that we express those concerns out of some reverse psychology, but that's not really what was happening. But Brendan, Mm -hmm. I I throw it to you here. I mean, Jason Hayward is—we talked about exit velocity and how that was not the be-all, end-all, and it isn't. And, you know, when you pound the ball into the ground to second or short, whatever— it's not necessarily productive, but we have seen Jason lifting the ball. He's that, that Homer, uh, one of these homers, you know, going the other way, he's driving the ball to the alleys. He, he's not necessarily just, just banging everything into the ground. Uh, but when Really, a large portion. And I know you wrote at Cubsinsider.com today about his average exit velocity, but so many of the balls coming off his bat right now are just being ripped. Brendan and you know we saw I think in his last at bat on Thursday night you know a pop-up that you know we have seen a lot from him over the years but in general man like just you know to start this season he's he's ripping the ball and he is getting it in the air with a good bit more frequency here
3: yeah and so here's the thing about the exit velocity statement so it is not the end all be all right but it does give you information it's not as if you know you want to throw it out the window. But that's not the reason totally for hayward's success right now the reason is he's hitting the ball well i know it's general but this how it is so his launch angle is double that of his past four seasons okay so right now it's at 19 degrees when he was debuting with the cubs in 2016 it was 10 degrees guess what 2017 10 degrees last year nine degrees so yeah he's doubled his launch angle and he's combining that with an improved exit velo. So that's why he's being successful. So for for Hayward, you can pound the ball 95 miles per hour, but his issue was, it was right at second base all the time. So that's why he's doing, he's having all this success. Plus, at least in the short term, his his pitch recognition, the the peripheral suggests he's seeing the ball better. I can't, I mean, it's the only way to describe it. So he's swinging at about 7% and less pitches outside the strike zone. And when he does swing, he's barreling up. So th- it's a perfect recipe for success. Now, like we've always cautioned, it's still early. I mean, there's reason to be excited about it. I'm not saying don't be excited about it. I'm excited about it. But in terms of you know projecting and expecting these things to continue, you gotta wait a little bit. It's just how it is. In terms of exit velo, You know, All the stat nerds will tell you, you need 70 batted balls to really get an idea of what to expect in the future. For Hayward, he's only had 30 batted balls right now, so he's halfway there. And for the other peripherals, it's kind of the same thing. He's halfway there. So what we can go off right now is our eye test, and I think ultimately we're seeing it. The last five, six games, he's hitting the ball in the air more. He's going gap to gap. He's pounding the bleachers in left field, which we've never seen. The only time I saw Hayward do that consistently or even with any sense of authority was off Arietta in, in the right. NLDS in 2015. That's And that was like the staple. That was the image that Theo always mentioned when he said, hey, I want Hayward. And there's that example of that Arietta bomb. So where I'm at with this right now is I'm excited about it. But at the same time, I'm cautiously optimistic. I still think we need to see this to continue for the next two to three weeks because at that point then yeah you can be a little bit more comfortable assuming that Hayward's going to give you the value that you hope
1: to see Corey not to be you know obviously hard to make long-term conclusions out of all of this but I think right. in the short term it's it's difficult not to be at least uh intrigued and a little bit excited no I mean I'm, because, I'm stoked about it like, oh of course I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah, No, very no, no, I know I know yeah. that that's what you're saying but you know, you, you look at, and and we talked about this before, that even when he was kind of at his worst as a hitter with the Cubs in the early portion of his career with the Cubs, you know, he was always not that much away from still being a rather productive player just because of how good a base runner he is and a fielder that he is. He's always had the ability to walk and currently in, in, in this season, the 2019 season, walking at a 15.6, uh, percent clip yeah. only striking out at an 8.9% clip uh that's good for a 456 Woba and a 178 WRC plus I'm, I'm not counting on those last two numbers to stay there, but it's just to say that, you know, he is hitting the ball hard. He's been lifting it a little bit more, going the other way. He's always been a good base runner, always been a good fielder, and has always been able to put together good at bats and take walks when the pitchers are giving them to him. So it's all just to say that, you know, it, it's been quite a project to change that swing and to get it to this point where he's producing these results. But I think that the reason for optimism here is that he has always been a very talented player in so many aspects of the game of baseball that if these offensive numbers can even just continue creeping up, he's going to be a a productive player for this team. You know, and, and certainly, and as I said, even when we were talking about, uh, you know, the concerns we were sharing with him early in the year, like he, he's 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 never going to be the like worthless player that some people that just don't like him will always claim he is, that he's overpaid, this, that, and the other. Like he's never going to be that. That narrative is not and really has never been true. Uh, but if if he can just keep creeping those offensive numbers up there, he can be a very valuable player for this team and certainly not one that we're going to have to worry about as much if he's out there every day uh and and getting in that lineup right and as we always say like brendan and i are happy to eat crow like we want these guys to be good like we're just kind of calling it as we we were seeing and I, i think to be fair brendan at most on hayward we were basically just saying we were tired of kind of having the same conversations over and over which i suppose is somewhat hypocritical because this is also part of that like where he hits well for a week and then we have the discussion of whether he's going to be the (laughs) the the player that we saw that's
3: that's why we were saying that it's exhausting
1: to get your hopes up because here we are and now we're doing it so we're we're, we're, we're fueling (laughs) that but again like as with the other years there is legitimate reason to be optimistic about this again not that he's going to put up a, a 456 woba on the year but that he can be a, a solid offensive player. Uh, and if he's able to you know, show you that pop and deliver some of those home runs every now and again, he, he overall will be a very productive player for this team. And Brendan, I, I, I think that it's important that this is happening because with one of the other things that we talked about, which was me sort of saying that I can't handle Albert Almora leading off anymore... <laughs> The front office and or Joe, especially Joe, are also seemingly on that train. We are not seeing Albert lead off anymore, and often in these last several games, we are seeing Jason Hayward patrolling center field. Which I like, Uh, by the way, a lot. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And, And as he continues, you know, if he continues to hit, again, not necessarily like this, but better than he has in the past... That's probably going to be what we see going forward, unless Almora gets in there and gives them a reason to change that. But it, it still has been a, a good bit of a struggle for uh, young Albert Almora. It's just not there at the plate right now for him. And, you know, you do look at that kind of similar to the Ian Hap thing. I know those two kind of get lumped together, probably unfairly to a degree. Well, they uh, play the same positions. Right, but I just mean they're, I mean they're different players and their development is not exactly the same and, and doesn't have to be tied to the other person uh, for them to focus on their development and ultimately reach their ceiling. But it, it does kind of get to some of the logic that we were hearing and thinking when the Cubs sent Ian Hap down during spring training that, you know, ultimately you want Al to be able to get in there and get those opportunities and try to make those adjustments. But you get to a point where you wonder how often you're going to be able to give him those chances, especially when the team starts as after Thursday's game, the Cubs are 4-8. and But with the start that they've had, you know, it becomes a little harder to say, yeah, let's keep this guy out there. We'll ride through it. And hopefully he can make those adjustments. You know, sometimes you have to turn the focus to winning. And when Hayward's as hot as he is right now, he's going to be in there. You want Schwarber getting the opportunities uh, as well, you know, both against righties, who he hits very well, and to make those adjustments similarly against lefties. You know, we haven't seen David Bodie get in the starting lineup very often lately. Daniel Descalso is hitting the cover off the ball right now. So you do kind of, you know, going back to just specifically Amora, you do kind of get into a little bit of that same situation where you're thinking, like, we want this guy to get better and you know make those adjustments and improve uh but it's it it does get kind of difficult to figure out when exactly to do that
3: well i think the issue too with hat or with almora is he has value to this team defensively Mm -hmm. and for hap he's not the best defender we know that the eye test passes that the numbers pass that and so when you get into the sixth or seventh inning and you want that late inning defensive replacement? There's no other better option on the team than Elmora right now, so it's hard to balance that. For Hap, it was easier because really, if his offense is not carrying himself, his value's not going to be there. So I, I'm not saying it makes sense right now to send him down, um, but I understand it. If, if people want to see Elmora, you know, right to the ship, uh, these pirates puns are killing me, but whatever. But if they want to see him get things together. I I can get behind that idea of sending him down. But the alternative then, you have to ask yourself, okay, if we're going to do this, we're rioting with Jason Hayward in center field for the time being. For me, I don't necessarily have an issue with that. But then your corner outfield positions are Zagunas, Schwarber, Bryant, and uh, Zobrist, right? So, that's not the best defensive alignment. KB's a good defender, by the way, but just saying in general, not the best defensive alignment that you can put out there. So I, I don't know. If you're going to ask me, hey, should Almora be sent down? I can't give you a confident answer because I do. It's a tough think, situation. Yeah, it's a very tough situation. I, I, personally, I, I I'd just rather see Hayward play more, but I want to see Almora develop. So I don't know what to do here, Corey.
1: Yeah, it like like you were just saying it's it's a tough situation because Almora does have value to this team and it's it's not exactly easy to, you know, f- figure out the answer if you do send him down and then like what are you doing with Happ and it, it's also hard to know, you know, that a lot of this stuff isn't results based, you know, Ian Happ, they're not necessarily they're not always just going to look at his slash line they're going to be looking at how he's doing and and one of the reasons we saw that he was sent down was that he was swinging through hittable pitches over the plate and in the zone and you know so that's going to be something that their scouts and and their coaches and their staff are going to have to be evaluating and you know it would be similar to almora if you were to send him down You know the concern right now is that he's not able to hit at a level that keeps him in a lineup against major league pitching. You know how are you judging that if he goes down to AAA? How are you judging that he's making those adjustments and is going to come up and and not suffer the same fate of a you know sub 500 OPS to start the season here? So it's tough, but but it is very clear. I mean, to anyone that's been watching this team. Uh, especially over the last couple years, but even just so far this year, that he's been phased out of of whatever role they had envisioned for him to start this season. He's not been phased out completely of playing, but he's not getting those regular starts, certainly not at the leadoff position, which is, I think, what everybody was kind of assuming, uh, especially against left-handed pitching, you know, to start the year. It's been Descalso and Zobrist, for the most part, leading off these games, and you know, I don't really see that changing uh going forward unless one of those two gives them a reason to, but that's the thing. It's it's gonna be hard for Almora to kind of earn his way back in there without constant playing time. So it's it's tough. But Brendan, and I, I have more in in podcast breaking news and, and this is not great. Uh and it's it's actually we were oh going to transition God. To this I can subject. only take
3: so much bad news. On, yeah, like
1: breaking bad news. Right. Uh We were going to talk next about Victor Caratini, and I was literally about to say that we are always happy to eat crow, and. We talked all offseason about wanting a better backup catcher, wanting a, a more veteran presence, a better pitch framer, et cetera. The Cubs didn't do that. They opted for Victor Caratini, and I think Brendan and I both disagreed with that. Uh yeah. but he has been great to start this year. I, you know, he's not going to jump off of the screen as a defender, but I think his his defense, his game calling, his receiving has been just fine, at least just from the eye test. Uh, And to start the season, it's obviously only 17 plate appearances because he's the backup catcher. uh, But He has eight hits in those 17 plate appearances, a home run, five RBIs, three walks, and just four strikeouts, a 571 batting average, a 647 OBP, and a 1,000 slugging percentage. For Victor Caratini, uh, the news I have for you, I am reading this tweet directly from Sadev Sharma of The Athletic, quote, Caratini hurt his left hand in his last at-bat. This, of course, being on Thursday night. Possible hamate injury? I don't know what that is, so I'm not it's sure if them, I'm... It's one of the hand bones. Okay, thank you. I'm glad we have you here to I'm your uh, resident medical yeah, I, I don't know expert. if I said that it's right. a scary thing. Hamate, hamate, I'm sure I'm... Hamate sounding, bone, okay. hamate bone. Hamate, you know, hamate. I took,
3: I, took a, I took a biology <laughs> course in, in college. I kind of know what I'm talking about.
1: Uh, hamate I, is not close <laughs> then. Sorry about that. Uh, but... Anyway, possible hamate injury doesn't sound optimistic. Felt it on first swing of his last at bat and was still able to come through with the RBI double, which is really impressive. But tough for him. He's had such a great start to the year, is the end of the quote for sahadev with a lot of brendan and i's uh you know additions in there mark gonzalez of the chicago tribune tweeting out that this particular injury usually takes around six months to heal uh but anytime you're dealing with the uh the hand you know even though it may take six weeks to heal you know, you never know what you come back with, right? Like, then there's always, you know, getting yeah. those rehab starts in. Do you have the power still I mean, in also, your hand? so Almora
3: broke his handmade bone. Uh, I think his second year with the club, like in 2013 or 2014, he broke his hamate bone. Um, so, I mean, it took him a year to get back. It sucks. It, like, you lose a year of development. Even for Victor Caratini, you lose that year. This is a huge blow.
1: Yeah, and... <sighs> Part of the concern that we had for going with Victor Caratini as the backup was not 100% rooted in Victor Caratini. Part of the concern that we shared was that the depth behind him in the Cubs organization was not especially strong. And unfortunately, you know, now you're staring this problem in the face. And, you know, there were, again, there was a reason that this was a concern for people, and it did not revolve only around Caratini. And I, again, I, we're always happy to eat crow. I don't say that to let us off the hook. I literally said on this podcast that I did not think Victor Caratini was a backup catcher on a championship team. So he was uh, starting this season proving all of his haters and doubters wrong and I include myself in that so I'm I'm never one to shy away from admitting that but it is true that part of the concern with doing that was simply that Caratini being your backup and you know the the guys in the lower levels Arcia, Taylor Davis, etc., that's not a good lineage for if something goes wrong with Victor, obviously, Wilson, etc. You you just don't have that depth there to feel super comfortable with the guys that you now have at your disposal. So we'll see what the Cubs decide to do here. But unfortunately, they may be looking at uh, being without Victor for a while. And typically, uh, you know, there's probably counter examples to everything. But typically, when the initial report says that they're not optimistic. It I wouldn't be optimistic. Yeah it, it, it means it's going to be bad news. Normally uh, they're rather coy about these things uh, if there is something to be optimistic about. So yeah. not good. Uh, we'll see what they what they decide to do here, but they're ultimately gonna have to you know make some kind of decision uh, prior to you know either later tonight or certainly prior to the game in the afternoon on Friday. Uh, as they have more baseball to play. And I I don't know who... Isn't Javi the emergency catcher on this team, right? Or he had yeah. been in the past, I, mean, I think.
3: How do we get to this point? But
1: yeah, like, uh, so I'm on
3: MLB trade rumors right now. And it, at least according to them, there's no available uh, free Asian catchers that played in the bigs last year. So I, I don't know who else they can go to outside the organization. So this is this is it. This is going to be a Taylor Davis experiment, at least for the short term, unless something happens. They make a trade. Like I, I, I don't know what they can do here. It's it's this sucks, Corey. This really does.
1: Yeah, and you know, also just very uh, taking sort of the our personal. Uh, you know, discussions on it out of it. This this sucks for Victor, man. Like, yeah, man. this is one of those guys who, you know, over the last couple of years has gotten his shot at the major league level. He He's done good work in the Cubs minor league system to earn this shot and, you know, finally performing really well and, you know, obviously played a, a big role just in tonight's game. Uh, and it's just a shame to, you know, see someone get this opportunity that they've worked very hard for and, you know, start doing really well and, and gaining everybody's confidence and, uh, you know, uh, continuing with that comfortability. Obviously he catches Cole Hamels every time. Ugh, so like I they're building that, that familiarity, you know, and it's, it's just, it, you, you hate to see this for these guys who work so hard to get to this level, uh, when, and we see it so often, it seems like where they the guys finally get a chance, things are going right. And, uh, you know, these things happen. So Schwarber behind it's unfortunate. The dish. <laughs> oh right uh, i did forget about that yeah yeah yeah, we're not gonna do that um after he destroyed his knee we're not gonna put him behind the plate uh (laughs) but i i wouldn't be surprised if like in the clubhouse right now kyle went into joe's office like i'm ready man i'm ready i got my catcher's gear still in my locker somewhere like i'm ready to go man and joe's like (laughs) yeah no kyle we're not gonna be uh doing that but not great So that's, uh, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. We were all kind of, I think, feeling pretty good. The Cubs winning their first series, playing at home. Things were really nice. And like I said, I was literally about to transition into how good Caratini has looked to start this year as I was reading that tweet uh, come across the newswire here. But there's still a
3: lot of positivity, though. Like, I know. Oh, of
1: course. Yeah, it's just just one of those things where it's like, of course, you know, we're finally like trending in a, a... totally positive direction with this season and nope. we, we we still need something to uh to
3: bring the down the mood
1: yeah <sighs> but ultimately look
3: it does suck that victor caratini most likely broke his bone and he will probably be probably be out for the rest of the season but you know what like things could things could be worse and i don't want to distract a lot of the positives we saw and i think you were saying it right there like even the scalso guys mm-hmm. I fully went into this year kind of having the same tone that I had with John Jay. I liked John Jay, but I didn't really like seeing him play. And it's not as if he was a bad player. I just did not enjoy watching him play. For Descalzo, every at-bat is like a quality major league at-bat. It's almost yeah. like watching Zobrist. And the cool thing about Descalso is like that power that we're seeing it, it might be for real. And he hit, I think, 19 homers last year. He talked about increasing his launch angle. So what we're seeing is no fluke. So that's that's fun to watch. And to see Zobrist batting leadoff or Descalso batting leadoff and having that sense of comfort, like yes, I am going to see a very fine major league at bat, five to eight pitches every time. It gives you a sense of comfort.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there there was some humorous writing, I, I guess would be one word for it, earlier in the year, because when you looked at some of Descalso's clutch stats, like runners and scoring stats, he was one of the, the best. best in the league. And, and there was a, you know, I know Evan uh, at Cubs Insider wrote an article to this effect, and I think there were others out there that you know, basically like if you were looking at the right things, he has been a better offensive player than John Gian- Carlos Stanton. And we've seen him in these clutch situations, even so far with the Cubs coming through. And, you know, Thursday was an example of that. You got a runner on uh, second, you know, and you bring him in with, with the hit there. And yeah, he's he's in the early going. I, I have definitely liked watching him play. I, I certainly wasn't as ready to dislike him. I don't think as you. Um,
3: no, I wasn't gonna. I, like, I'm not gonna dislike him. I just like my my thought process was: Hey, we have Almora, we have Hap, we have some young guys. I want to see them get opportunities.
1: Now, I was afraid this guy also may take that that's away. That's fair. So, yeah, I'm not like. Yeah, I he liked, he yeah. seemed like a Joe Madden guy. That was in in, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah but you you've got to like it so far and i think anytime you know you bring in those veterans and and they show you why they were brought in it's it's always good to see and especially you know with this group being as consistent as it's been for the cubs obviously with some you know uh, additions and changes throughout but with how consistent this group has been, and and the names that we've been seeing, you know, it's always kind of a, a trial period, I guess, in the early goings of these seasons to see, like, okay, here's the new guy. Let's see what he's bringing. Let's see how he fits with everybody. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I I, it, I mean, obviously, you know, with the numbers he's been putting, in, it's hard not to. But in in a visual sense as well, just like the game that he's bringing, like you said, professional at-bats, look like he has a plan up there, yep. he's willing to take walks if they're coming to him, and he, you know, he's putting good swings on the ball, so yeah, I, I, am, I am all for that, he's looked good in the field as well, and that has been a, a good move so far, so for, you know, some, a move that unfairly kind of was the blunt of a lot of jokes because he ended up being, you know, other than Cole Hamels, uh, the, the, the big offseason spending was on Daniel Descalso, and he kind of ended up as, as the blunt of a lot of jokes because of that, but it's been a very good signing, and, I, you know, I, yeah. Tommy Lastella's hitting bombs for the Angels, which is not something I— was expecting, but I I think that trade off in the long run, if you looked at it just as uh, swapping La Stella for Discalso I, I think that's going to pay off for the Cubs, and it certainly looks like a very smart and savvy way to have not spent a lot of money so far. He's bringing something to the table for this Cubs team uh, that I you know I think is definitely a positive addition. One other positive, uh, I, I just want to mention, and then I I'd, I'd like to talk just for a minute about. Uh, the, the the big boppers for the Cubs, who are not really doing just that. Uh, but the only thing I want to say is the bullpen scoreless streak, getting this from Tony Andracchi from NBC Chicago, now to 17.2 innings. So obviously with the Darvish start, Kyle Ryan was on the mound and let inherited runners score. But in terms of runs being charged to the Cubs bullpen, they are now 17.2 innings from the last time that has happened. That, that's pretty simple. I don't even know that there's much to delve into there. We, we we talked about throughout these early series, obviously that was a concern coming into the season. It was certainly a concern in the early portion of the season. And we talked about, you know, kind of having that urgency of if, if certain guys are giving you good innings, Keep going back to them and let them earn a bigger role until we get this thing stabilized because we can't keep throwing games away. And for the most part, it looks like we've kind of figured that out. There's there's still going to be some feeling out of some of these guys, uh, but a lot of these guys just continue to look good and did again in this Pirate series. Brock, Kinsler, uh, Rosario getting in there and having a two-inning uh, scoreless outing on Monday. Strope looking good as ever. c looked nasty tonight. He threw one pitch when Brendan and I were first getting on yeah, we like, uh, that had some that? serious run that was yeah. like an insanely nasty pitch. Um, but, you know, Alan Webster's been getting in there. Ryan's been getting in there. And these guys have been getting results. So uh, just keep pushing forward. Keep putting these guys in situations. I think you know that C-Shek, Strope are going to be your mainstays. They're going to be your lockdown guys. Uh, But, you know, a lot of these other guys are are, are stepping up. And, you know, I think you continue to give them the shot, give them the ball, and try to, you know, form this thing into a a functioning, solid bullpen. But 17.2 innings straight, scoreless for the bullpen— given how this season started, that is a brilliant statistic and, uh, you know, a, a much needed one at that.
3: Yeah. And so just uh, more news before we talk about some of the big boppers here. But so recent tweets, and this is all live, by the way, so we know we're catching up with you guys. But Mark Gonzalez just tweeted out two minutes ago, and he said, the trainers told Victor Caratini that if his hand is indeed fractured, maybe three to four weeks. So you know, take that for whatever you will. Uh, we're hearing some guys suggesting hamate injuries take around six
1: months, but for Mark Gonzalez, he's ta- he's saying three to four weeks. So you know, it is. Well, what Mark is Gonzalez there. said six weeks to heal on the hamate injury, but then it's I don't a know, question what the, what, of
3: I don't understand this. Then three to four weeks if fractured, what, what uh, you know, you're going to find out more
1: news. Yeah, they they appear day. to Fourth be Friday. trying to figure this out yeah. in real time. So it's it's just one of As those we things are. we're going to have to see what they ultimately ultimately land up but yeah i mean those those first string of tweets were li- one of them literally said the cubs are not optimistic I about know. this so, so you're thinking like out for the year yeah you so we'll kind see, of we'll kind of have to just keep up with this as it goes obviously yeah. we're recording this on thursday night so as you listen to this just check in on that i'm sure they've ultimately made a decision there yeah. i am also reading from patrick mooney uh that they are expecting to call up taylor davis so obviously right. for now that's pretty much the only move. Uh, So other than that, we will see what they do if they decide to add more depth. That probably depends on how long Victor is going to be out, what they feel the the rehab and recovery time will be. But this is a a situation to monitor going forward. Uh, You know, definitely no question there. But Brendan, I do want to talk about um, the the middle of the Cubs order here, and obviously it, it ranges in, in degree here. I, I think of the three, well, I mean, I guess really the four, uh, Kyle Schwarber had a very rough series, uh, in terms of, of strikeouts here against the Pirates. And, but when you look at Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez, leaving this series with the Pirates, none of them have an OPS over 800, Baez the highest at 791. Um, he's also the highest batting average of the four of them at 250, KB at 224, Rizzo at 200, Schwarber at 205, uh and a bunch of near 700s and a 688 OPS for Chris Bryant. We talked about Bryant before. Theo Epstein re uh, you know, adamantly reiterating that KB is healthy, nothing to do with his shoulder, it's fine. Don't worry about that. But I I, I I, throw it to you here just because, you know, you, you you go back and listen to this podcast and you listen to the names we're talking about, right? Hayward, Descalso, Caratini, <laughs> etc. On Thursday's game, those were the six, seven, and eight hitters for the Cubs. Now, we've seen Discalso get up in the leadoff spot, but Zobris was there tonight. And this is not a... New thing necessarily so far in, in this season. The, the the latter portion of the order has been rather productive uh for this team. Now, obviously Wilson Contreras didn't start tonight. He has been hitting the cover off the ball. He would normally be in the middle of that order as well. But just any thoughts on on these guys in particular? And like I said, especially when you're talking about this group, Bryant Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber an entire range of differences between these guys. So it's it's obviously not uh, something you can look at and throw out, you know, one... Overarching thing that, that is going on, or anything like that. But the middle of the Cubs order is struggling, suffice it to say. So just
0: bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Betts, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Betts players enjoy world class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code. SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign up bonus up to $200. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca Cola or Coca Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20 ounce bottle of Dyed Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. And
1: any thoughts on these four guys, any of them in particular, or what you're seeing from, from the middle of the Cubs order? Yeah, there's no concerns whatsoever. I think the only reason
3: to be concerned is if they're injured. And like you were saying, Theo's saying that there's no reason to suggest that Chris Bryant is injured. And the same thing goes for Rizzo and Baez and everyone in that middle of the order. So for me, I'm not concerned whatsoever. If we're going to talk about Hayward and a lot of these guys in small sample sizes as being cautiously optimistic, you got to apply that same logic to the guys who are struggling, right? So it's still early, I think, for Rizzo, for uh, Bryant, those two guys in particular, especially Bryant. Look, he has not looked good. I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. He does not look like the same guy we've seen, but... It's early in the year. And with Chris Bryant, you just know to expect that he's going to get it together. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm not concerned about that. I mean, long story short, not concerned. But one point with Schwarber, that, you know, the last few, what, 15 at bats have not looked good. He no. struck out, I think, what, seven of his last eight at bats, I believe is what it is. And maybe I'm. I know he had six
1: in a row at one point. Okay. So I, seven yeah. in the last eight at bats is what
3: it is. Look, that's not good. But you know what? looking at Schwarber, seeing how he performed the first week and a half, those were encouraging signs. And there's reason to believe that he could regain that back and and the new crouch stance and the peripherals look good for a week and a half. It's still so early. So let's just wait it out. These guys are healthy. There's no concerns on my inquiry.
1: Yeah, I'm not not concerned about any of these guys in particular as well. Um, It's just, you know, I think something we kind of have to at least touch on or b- bring up uh, just because, you know, right now it it's a strange feeling. But like in some of these games, I mean, you genuinely feel somewhat more comfortable when the bottom of the order is hitting and it's just kind of a strange place to be in. I am the most frustrated with Bryant at the moment and not like him personally, but I there's just something so uh like grading to me of watching Chris Bryant not look right it just makes me so uncomfortable uh because he's just so good and it 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 when he just isn't seeing the ball or it, 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 he he looks overmatched like he looked overmatched against Jordan Lyles like what is that about you know so it just makes me so uncomfortable seeing that because he's just so much better than that so i I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I think with all of these guys, it's just early and they all kind of go through stretches, really. I mean, I know that sounds like kind of a cliched answer, but, you know, these are not uh, the Ben Zobris type, if you will, that kind of just have that consistent level of play day in and day out. And he you know, ends up shaking out to the same slash line that he has for the last 10 years or whatever that he's been in the <laughs> league, right? I mean, you can go look at his fangraph page. It's remarkably similar every single year. And I think with Bryant, like even when he was at his best, even winning an MVP in 2016, there are still just those games where he just it's just one of those nights. He he just is going to strike out a few times. He just is not seeing the ball tonight. And unfortunately, you know, it's been a, a more prolonged spot for this. But, you know, we all remember it was obviously tied uh, in large part to an ailing back. But, you know, Rizzo started the season in 2018 terribly. And by the end of the year, you know, he obviously had suffered for that, you know, about a month where he was hitting like 170 or something like that. But, you know, by the end of the year, his numbers look really good. He ended up having a very productive Anthony Rizzo-like season. Um, and you know, Baez—we all know this about Baez. Like, Baez has these stretches, right? Like, he has stretches where he's going to hit a home run every at bat, and he has stretches where he's chasing at pitches at his face. It just is kind of the player that he is, and is part of the reason that he's been so successful. So, you just kind of have to take the the good with the bad there, and. You know, Schwarber, I think, is a little different than all three of them in in, in particular just because I think he has the most adjustments to make of the group in terms of really developing into the hitter uh, that he wants to be and that the Cubs want him to be. With the other three, we've we've seen that already for the most part. Like, Chris Bryant has been one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. Uh, Rizzo is certainly up there, and Baez was second in MVP voting last year. So I think with Schwarber, he's still the one that— is kind of trying to get there more certainly more than those other three so it's it's different for all of them but yeah I mean I'm with you I, I'm not concerned and like I said on on Thursday night Wilson was not the starting catcher he does get in there eventually after the rain delay uh and obviously Caratini taken out now we know for something wrong with his hand uh but he's hitting really well Hayward's hitting really well right now and I have every expectation that uh all four of those guys specifically the top three, and not a knock at Schwarber But like I said, I mean it it's you know, it's just the truth that those other three are I, I think have been at a different level than him. Um but Bryant Rizzo Baez, they'll get it together and I think that um soon enough they will be a, a real buzzsaw for pitchers to try to have to get through uh as the two, three, four in this order. But in the meantime, uh, you know, we we if if Hayward and uh, Contreras and Descalso, et cetera, want to just keep tearing the cover off the ball. That would be great too. And I look forward to the day where you know you have Bryant in the two and Hayward in the the seven or eight, and it's just miserable for pitchers to have to get through because everybody's hitting. And I and I think that that's a legitimate possibility. Um, you know, you kind of expect all these things to fluctuate in different directions, but the the getting production out of those guys at the bottom of the order is a really good thing and you you may not expect them to keep up at this particular level, but you do expect guys like Chris Bryan, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez to turn things around and heat up. And if you can get those guys at the bottom of the order to go along with that, even just a little bit, this lineup is going to be very, very difficult for pitchers to get through. Uh, And they, you know, for the most part, have been putting up pretty good results in the 2019 season. So I look forward to it all kind of coming together and, you know, the Cubs kind of like we saw in 2016, just having that relentless offense that starting, pitchers are dreading having to face every night
3: yeah and hopefully that continues tomorrow when the angels come in town to wrigley field so they'll have a three game set against those los angeles angels and we have tyler skaggs taking the mound for the angels a big lefty one and one on the year with a 2.5 era he'll be facing another big lefty for the cubs cole hamels who has not been off to the best start but still showing good stuff nonetheless hamels is one and zero with a 5.73 era And then on Saturday, the Cubs will throw out Kyle Hendricks for his third start on the year. Like Hamels, Hendricks has not been off to the best start either. He has a 0-2 record with a 6.48 ERA. He'll be facing Chris Stratton for the Angels, who's 0-1 with a 6.48 ERA as well. Kind of weird. Uh, Chris Stratton, you may remember from a few years ago with San Francisco, he threw a no-hitter with San Fran. So he has stuff, clearly, but the last four years or so have not been good for the guy. And then, so that game will begin at 1:20 p.m. as well, and they'll finish up the three-game set on Sunday at the same start time of 1:20 p.m. Our former Cubs pitcher Trevor Cahill will take the mound for the Angels. Cahill one and one with a 3.5 ERA. Expect a lot of changeups, as we all know. Whole face, you ready for this? Tyler Chatwood. So get ready for Tyler Chatwood's first start of the year. Oh yeah. I will. I will say when he came in relief for was it the Darvish started or whatever it was he looked you know okay he looked pretty decent so we'll see what Chatwood does um i don't expect him to go more than four to five innings given his leash in the bullpen recently so that that's going to be the the three game set so that the angels of course just swept the brewers and uh so far trout's probability for the series is still in doubt he hurt his groin injury so if you're going to the series expecting to see Mike Trout uh don't it's still unlikely or improbable that he may play so we'll we'll see so that's the three game sets I think what I'm looking for the most is just seeing those lower uh, order guys continue to hit seeing Hayward continue to hit and seeing ultimately Chris Bryant get back on track and the pitching staff we know has his issues in the early running but getting those guys back in track especially Hendricks he's doing it again with the with the early season homer rate but I fully expect the pitching rotation to get back on track here Corey
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think it's it's pretty simple. I mean, just keep this thing going. You're you're at home. Just keep winning series. Just take two out of three here. Obviously, a sweep would be great, but we never you know ask for it explicitly. Just go out there and and keep playing well. This Angels team is is playing well. They just swept the Brewers in Anaheim, uh, and I think as of that game had won six straight, maybe or several straight. But they're they're playing well, and I'm not sure if we're going to see Mike Trout. He uh, left the game on, I believe, Wednesday night, uh, and they are being careful with him. It's not a serious injury, but, you know, it kind of sounds similar to Lester to a degree, where it's one of those things where uh, he's not on the injured list, but they're gonna take their time, and especially with the weather in Wrigley Field being as it has been over these last few days, I, they're going to be careful. So I, if you're going to the games, hoping to see Mike trout, I am not sure if that's going to happen, uh, probably at some point over the weekend, but the angels are, are certainly not going to rush him out there, uh, in games in April. So if you bought tickets to see Mike trout, you might be disappointed. That's probably better for the Cubs. And by probably, I mean, it's definitely better for the Cubs, but we'll see. So either way, uh, it's it's pretty simple. I, I would love to see those middle those guys in the middle of the order get on track and and just see this offense going at full tilt, well oiled machine. That would be great. But pretty pretty baseline stuff here. Like just keep winning. I, I think unfortunately it's you know, we've talked about kind of a little bit of a climb here to get back to five hundred, and I think we'd all feel a lot better and be able to take kind of that deep breath for the rest of this season, if they can do that sooner rather than later. So just Keep winning series, keep winning at home, and ultimately things will work out pretty well for you. So I, th- I think that's all we have for you. It was fun to be able to kind of watch a Cubs win as we were doing this. It may have been better radio had they blown that, but obviously we're not uh hoping for that, and neither are you guys. But it would have been interesting to see how we tried to produce through that. But either way, the Cubs win their first series, taking two or three from the Pirates, and I think that is where we will leave you. So. The Cubs play the Angels this weekend at Wrigley Field. We will talk to you on Sunday after they finish with that series, and we'll post that episode late Sunday night, early Monday morning. And as always, we thank you guys for listening and for joining us, and until next time, go Cubs!
3: In Southern California, you're in your car a lot. Over time, you're going to put some wear on it. But new Toyota owners don't really have to think about that because they have Toyota Care. They just stop by the dealership, hand over the keys, and get no-cost factory maintenance, covering normal wear for two years or 25,000 miles, whichever comes first. Get all the details on Toyota Care when you visit buyatoyota.com. Your Southern
0: California Toyota dealers make it easy. Toyota, let's go places.